to the Nifty Podcast presented by Partyfish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all over the world. Film starts here at Nifty 2023 in Seattle, Washington. Hi everybody, my name is Robert Bohorkas. I am on Nifty's board. I used to be a programmer for Nifty. Um, I've been around for a minute and I'm excited to be joined here um, by filmmaker, um, their film... This is closest to how the last weeks of March felt like is in our family ties screening this year. And yeah, Kunga, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm Kunga Chappell, pronouncer he, him, and I'm uh, based out of Queens, and I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so um, let's start with, do you want to tell us kind of just a little bit of the, like, a little summary long line of yeah. what the film is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, like, the film in essence is about a father and a son learning to, uh, well, yeah, like learning to speak to each other uh, more truthfully. Um, I think that's the essence, but there's a lot of undercurrents happening. And yeah. I, yeah, and I think COVID sort of uh, really like every other situation pulled out the worst out of what was there already. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, so when you say that, like, um, did this, did you start making this pre COVID and then it changed or was this a COVID project? Yeah, this was specifically a COVID project. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it was inspired by the phone calls that me and my dad were having at the time. Um, because I was, uh, I, I decided to stay up at my university, which was, uh, at that time, had been quarantined, and only maybe a dozen people were on this giant campus. So it was, yeah. really felt like the end of the world. Um, yeah, so I had decided to stay back in my campus, and my dad was back over in Queens, and the only connection we had was okay. through this phone call. Oh, okay. That was my question. Was um, was it's your actual dad, and where mm-hmm. was he? And so, okay, that's mm-hmm. inter- that's interesting. How was like? Where did the idea to kind of explore this relationship with him come from? And like, what what the process of getting him on board too? Like, I'm just curious, like the full. Mm-hmm kind of from idea to development and making it yeah i think the like i think the idea really came in my head after a couple of phone calls that i had with my dad Mm -hmm. and i was sort of realizing that he was clearly lying to me about a lot of things that were going back Mm -hmm. home Mm -hmm. and in that in recognizing that i also saw a bit of myself that i was also lying to him about how things are going up at purchase or like on campus um so that's where the idea started but i didn't know what to do do with that, you mm-hmm. know, uh, because at that time I was in the process of editing uh, my other film and I was sort of caught up in the machine of making things. Right. Uh, but this one, I think, realization took me out of the machine of making and just let me contemplate about what was going on. Mm-hmm. And that sort of threw me down the rabbit hole of all the other types of similar conversations me and my dad have had and the patterns that I was recognizing. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, like, I have a, a lot of time, not particularly by choice, because uh, COVID. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I wrote a script where me and my dad uh, said to each other what we really wanted to say to each other. Um, yeah. We just said to each other what we had, uh, like the truths to each other. The script came out in that form. I read it again after I wrote it, and I was really not necessarily excited about it per se, because mm-hmm. it was so immediately personal sure but there was something interesting there and yeah. i like workshopped it with my friends and was like yeah this is cool and you should make it i think almost by instinct i knew that if i was to make it it has to be me and my dad mm-hmm. and it was type of the production that was very low scale very very grungy and gorilla so i could have shot it during the COVID time the peak of COVID time without right. necessarily putting each other in, or anyone in risk so yeah i had me and my dad act out what we wanted to really to say to each other mm-hmm. and and that's where the film came in 
Yeah. So how much input did he have? Like you, you say, kind of wrote this script that's based on reality. So it's like this blend of documentary and narrative that mm-hmm. is really interesting. And our festival director, Amy Williams, was really curious about that mm-hmm. too. So I mean, like, in terms of this being a narrative and not just a documentary, but it is still you and your dad. Like, mm-hmm. can you tell me more about just like the blurred line that this film kind of walks there yeah. and that it's it's like inspired inspired by your phone calls but then you're writing basically mm-hmm. the phone calls too and so mm-hmm. i don't know it's so it's so chewy to do it that way so i'm mm-hmm. curious just how it how that came together and those choices that you made mm-hmm. yeah like sort of the i think what we had sort of what was practically happening when we were shooting it uh, like i had the script that me both me and my dad had read and we had quote unquote learned but at least to my point to make it i guess more more of a documentary mm-hmm. i told my dad that these are bullet points that you would have to hit sort oh, of okay. in that range and you don't have to follow the script exactly yeah so most of it really was improv between me and my dad mm. i think what something that really cool happened was that you know for for a non-actor to act these things out it 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 takes a while, even if it's, especially if it's through voice, especially, you know, yeah. like you could tell that they're enunciating a few things a little too artificially and fakely. Hmm. But <laughs> like what you hear in the film is like probably the second or the first take. Wow. We only did two takes of it. Then, then I distinctly remember after we had that call, there was like a, maybe like a 10 second silence pause. And I think he recognized what I was doing, mm-hmm. but in a classic way, he didn't say it. You know, but, but we sort of both knew what just happened. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think that was really, really, uh, like, that's a moment that I really cherish from, uh, like, the process of making this film. Yeah. So it's like a form of, like, you know, people talk about art therapy. And so, I mean, like, this is a really interesting exercise in that it's not, like, self. It's not, you know, just, like, an exercise for yourself. It's, like, an exercise for the relationship. <laughs> and so, like, what do you see as being the benefits of having kind of gone through this whole process with with your father and and you know it's working on a project together but kind of like let's air let's air this relationship out a little bit i'm curious Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's that's sort of exactly how i described it to like my friends who saw the cut it's like uh this is sort of a for for like therapy for people who can't afford it uh because like a lot of what's in the film is actually true like we're kind of scraping uh for most of it yeah uh and in the survive some haunted to be out in seattle that's something i made like this and it got me here in Mm -hmm. some ways but i think really this this film sort of is a marker in some ways between this film is a marker in the relationship between me and my father uh it's like sort of before this film and after this film because i think we were able to articulate better to each other not not perfect at all because i think mm-hmm. still its progress is like a, like it takes a lot of work yeah, yeah but i think this film is sort of a marker of like okay now this thing that was unsaid for like 12 years is out now and now yeah. we can sort of talk about it and not walk around it yeah yeah that's just like you know it gets me and i'm sure other people watching it like you know you start to think about your um, I, th- I think about my own relationship with my dad and um how that's yeah every i think from a parental standpoint and from you know the a a child's reverence for their parents like you reach a point where you kind of recognize that you're like oh they're just also another person with flaws and weaknesses and strengths and and all of that and so i think it's really interesting how resonant it is in that way and yeah that's not a question. That's a compliment. That's like just a compliment. Thank you, Thank you for, like, <laughs> for for making something like this. Um, 
And so something that um, really touched me in the movie was kind of like, there's like some joking back and forth between y'all. And so this has like really deep, like we're confronting this like issue of our honesty with each other. But it also has like that kind of jokey parent child dialogue in there. And so what was like, which was more challenging for you to direct with your dad? Was it like, or or, or which was more challenging for him, do you think, to, mm-hmm. in quotes, act out over the phone with you? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I'm not exactly sure for him what was more harder. Because I think, well, like, like it was his first time acting. Um, yeah. Uh, but like I said earlier, like I was expecting going into this, spending four hours, or like seven hours on this like ten-page script, taking right. a while. But in actuality, it ended up taking probably thirty minutes. Wow! So it really wasn't challenging from either him or from me because it felt like a long time coming in some ways. Sure. You know? So so it just sort of just went out. And I think the aspect of uh, <laughs> like there was some like the joking banter like you talked about uh, like my dad like I remember like he he pointed that out he's like oh like like I, like I remember seeing that like, I think like, two weeks ago I was like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think is the because in some ways you coming to your your dad with a project like this it feels like a little backwards in that there seems to be a lot of stories right now that are kind of about like generational trauma and um, and how we grow up and recognize like the things that formed us as a person. And a lot of that comes from our parents, obviously, because they raised us for, you know, 18 years at least. And is there anything challenging about feeling like it's coming from you as the, as the son to be like, I made a project that's kind of giving us permission to talk about this. Like, I don't know. Does that make sense as a question? Yeah, yeah, no, like, yeah. What, what do you? What was hard about that for you? I mm-hmm. guess was kind of realizing, like, making the decision to be like, mm-hmm. this is an issue that we need to talk about, and mm-hmm. the power dynamic between a parent and a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, when I had that script written, the the, the first feeling I had was like, um, it's a little too close. You know, like immediately yeah. my gut reaction was like, I shouldn't make this. Mm-hmm. And my second reaction, which was an even stronger reaction, was what if my dad says, like, why are you doing this? And he sort of comes at me like, right, with, right. The, with an aggressive <laughs> manner. Um, and I think those are just things that were um, um, for through just experiences learned, not mm-hmm. necessarily through my dad, because my dad has been kind and incredibly, incredibly uh, supportive of yeah, the work that yeah. I do. Uh, but just something that I noticed in a lot of my friends' dads, especially, you know, because a lot of my friends are also immigrants and a lot of their dads are somewhat more follow the archetype of the immigrant dad, mm. you know. Uh, like I know a lot of friends who aren't to be photographers but are now engineers because their dad didn't say sure. they should do that, yeah. you know. And like the place that I come from, we don't necessarily get to live our dreams. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm different in that way because my dad allowed me to. So I'm incredibly grateful for that. But that thought was still there. It's like, what if my dad says, like, fuck you? Like, you know, what are right. you doing? Like, this is stupid. Uh, yeah. And that rejection was really scary to me because I haven't had that before, mm-hmm. uh, especially from him. There was a pushback, of course, when I said I wanted to be a filmmaker to him a while ago, but there was never an outright, outright rejection. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, for me, the scariest part. But that got shot down as soon as my dad read it and was like, yeah, let's do it. Cool. Yeah. Isn't that, that what's a, what a good feeling. Yeah. Like, like validation and also just like, I think that's a good lesson for just kind of any, any writer, director, 
of like getting buy-in for your creative work mm-hmm. and for it to be from someone that like obviously is such a valued person in your life right? mm-hmm. like that's scary that's tough yeah um, something that um i was really taken by because like th- this is a lot of like conversation over mm-hmm. the phone but i think that there's some really good attention to when there is like pauses in the dialogue in the in the film and allowing and leaving space for like your feelings in the in the film your father's feelings in the film the audience's feelings and kind mm-hmm. of sitting in and thinking about like what is happening with this relationship mm-hmm. um, and so I'm curious like how the editing process was in finding that the pacing of it and the like conversationality like you know the mm-hmm. the, the, the ping pong of you two talking and when how much editing was there mm-hmm. in leaving big gaps for um, those kind of emotional moments to mm-hmm. to just kind of sit mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think, honestly, like, most of the editing for me was really easy, but mm-hmm. that was because me and uh, my DP, uh, like, Zena, like, huge shout-out to her, mm-hmm. who was one of the dozen people that was on campus meant for, like, 3,000, 4,000 people. Yeah. We worked a lot together about the shot language and sort of what that's doing for this film. And I knew from the get-go, for many reasons, you know, one being the script is so personal to me, yeah. and, but the second also being that I wanted the audience to find themselves in me in some ways. Like, we knew at the get-go that uh, we want there to be, like, a voyeur feel to it almost. And uh-huh. there's not that many close-ups. I think there's just one close-up in the film. Yeah. So at the get-go, we knew that we wanted to to include the landscape of this barren university, like, pretty pretty empty and wide. And yeah. so we had come up with the shot language before I went into doing the voice recordings with my dad. So I think a lot of the shot language that we had also educated a lot of the choices that I was making as I was quote unquote directing him yeah. about the pauses and all that. So I think those things were informing each other a lot, which made my editing so much more easier because I had, I think it's the only project I've done where my idea for what the film is in the final edit is the same as what I started out before, wow. before yeah. I shot it. Something that's so collaborative is as as filmmaking and um, like what were some challenges with being in those like you know a like a abandoned campus and small crew like mm-hmm. what was there anything challenging about that or was it easier was it harder? Yeah, I think like in some ways the as 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 we were shooting the film mm-hmm. uh, to me at least I was reminded of how sort of not directly important or like like i'll just remind it of how there are so many more bigger problems in the world uh like covid and all that mm-hmm. was going on at the time and it just to me there was a sense of almost like freedom in some ways to do whatever i wanted to do without worrying about what others uh impose on the film mm-hmm. because to me at least when i was making it i didn't think it was gonna like do like this at the festival mm-hmm. you know like it was just supposed to be a project that was just therapy you know and in that, like, it was easy for me to let go of my inner, I guess, uh, like, critical mind of everything that I was doing just mm-hmm. because I was so free, at least that I thought I was so free, you know? Um, so I think in that ways, it was really easy. But also what was really challenging, like, anytime I kept shooting it, I just felt a long need for going back to set work because I just love yeah. being on sets and I love collaborating <laughs> with people so much. And really... It was just three beautiful collaborations with me, the DP, and my dad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm so used to working in a bigger model, like much more yeah. people, like 10, 12 people. 
and my initial attraction to film was not the movies, but the like the process of it, like, yeah. like like the production process of it, and that's what I fell in love with. So I just kept being reminded of at least for now, like how little I do mattered, which freed me in some ways, but also yeah. how much I loved my job and how lucky I was to be able to do this, considering what had happened to my friends and considering what my dad had sacrificed to get mm. me to a liberal arts school. Totally, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I, I had another question that was just about that last shot that's like a third of the film mm-hmm. is like the find that shot that just like, I think it pulls out a little bit, but it's pretty static, mm-hmm. super far away from you on the phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, was all the, do you record all the audio practical or was it recorded separate and then laid over these shots of, mm-hmm. you know, you in the spaces mm-hmm. or, but, the, but that last one is so long and it feels really intentional that it's just this uninterrupted shot of you on the phone. Mm-hmm. Like what was the conversation around doing that? And was it always kind of planned that way? And mm-hmm. I'm curious for that, about that the inspiration of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think what really came to me at that point was that I wanted there to be a sort of almost a visual difference Mm. of how the last conversation is, but not a departure per se. Like it still follows the sort of the same wide landscape language of the film. But I wanted to uh, like formally make the audience aware of that this conversation is different than the rest of the other conversations. Mm -hmm. Because everything else sort of seems to take place in like leapsies of time. Like ideas are born, then they're cut off and da-da-da-da. But this one was like a real time one conversation thing. I, I was acting and uh, the audio bits were recorded separately and mm-hmm. added later. So I would have the audio bits in my phone and I would oh. like be acting to that. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that I don't consider myself either a writer or an actor, uh-huh. you know, but something like this here where it was so immediately personal, it just all came very naturally, you know, yeah. it almost like I wasn't even acting. I was just kind of rewinding time to that feeling. Wow. So sort of like that was the idea, at least formally, of why we wanted to separate the last sequence than the like and everything else. Yeah. Wow. That's re- it's, it's really cool. It's so effective to just, you almost like feel, because I mean, it looked like this is, this is like during winter or something, right? Mm-hmm. You're wearing a coat the whole time. So I mean, you almost feel like the chill in the air from it. Just, I don't know, there's something about the composition of that shot that you're just like, you chills and it's the conversation too it's all of it it, it works so well thank you as we get cl- kind of close to wrapping up here like what um what's what's next for you what are you working on next more movies with your dad <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, yeah yeah there's there's some um i think it's funny because like all the the films that i'm attracted to like you know because i'm not a writer so i'm always looking for scripts and all the scripts that i end up picking to direct end up in some weird abstract way uh, going back to that father-son dynamic. Mm-hmm. So I have these two films that are in post-production right now. One yeah. I just shot, and it's a lot of, lot of well, one's very family-oriented drama film, and the other one's uh, sort of like post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. like horror film. Yeah, and those two should be coming out, I guess, sometime spring before the, like right around the festival in submission season. So probably cool. next year they'll be fully out online to view. Yeah, cool. Um, well, where can people go to keep an eye out and mm-hmm. see when those things are coming out and look you up online? Yeah, it should be at my website. It is kunga316.com. Cool. It should be there. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out of the festival to talk more about the film. I'm excited. What do you think? What are your expectations for the screening? I hope that people see a lot of their relationships in the film because uh, mm-hmm. I think those are 
at least to me, the more interesting conversations rather than like formal film, film language, all that right. stuff. Yeah, because right. I think that's when I, well, at least that's why I was attracted to it first. Yeah, I think that's you're going to get questions, people being like, is it real? Is it documentary? <laughs> is it not? What, yeah. what is this? <laughs> um, but I think they'll feel it mm-hmm. for sure, either way. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for being here. Thanks Thank for you, talking yeah. more. Thanks yeah. a lot. I appreciate it. And thank you for listening. For more information on Nifty 2023 or upcoming events, the talented youth, and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at NFFTY or on Instagram and TikTok at Nifty Film. And for more podcasts for Partyfish Media, search Partyfish Media wherever you listen to podcasts or check out our website at partyfish.media. Partyfish Media Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org. Hey you, are you curious whether your quirks, queries, and confessions are normal, special, or something completely different? Then you should listen to Is This Normal with me, Aaron Engel. And me, Alyssa Yeoman, aka Two Comedians Who Dissect Your Anonymous Submissions so you can find answers and feel less alone. New episodes drop every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts.